Doing something for the first time is wild. And when you think of the outdoors, it's inherently wild. I think the most important thing for me is sharing an activity, sharing what I love with people that you know, not experience that or have some kind of barrier related to it. The magic of being able to create that bond, that connection with an activity, a person, a place, that's special. Well, we'll roll right into the, the good old episode. So welcome in to another episode of Sincerely Yours Outdoors uh, here with Derek and Malik in Washington Park. Is, is this your first time in Washington Park, Malik? Or Correct. Yeah, same yeah. for us. Yeah. Uh, what, do you, what did you think about the park? Just uh, calling in. It was really cool. Very busy uh, with young, young younglings. I got caught behind some school buses. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, not your typical urban park in the sense that um yeah it's just pretty pretty vast i mean obviously i'd love to get around and hike some more but um, mm -hmm. it sort of reminds me of some parks in washington state mm. and of course like marin headlands just the access and it seems like there's uh, a lot of folks staff wise just maintaining it like for that resource and things like that so yeah yeah. How about y'all? Yeah, Derek, what you think? It's been great. I mean, the the park system here has is so robust. I mean, we've been to four or five. Yeah, we've been to a few parks by this point, um, and all are like really well maintained. Assets are, are great and robust. The you know the breadth of opportunities in terms of like the ways in which you can recreate from formal organized like soccer practice we saw yesterday yeah. to like hopping on a trail to like going to a playground to playing basketball so it's really cool to see uh, i think this kind of fits still in that mold so it's been it's been awesome what about you yeah it's been cool the point arboretum was really cool that we went through and i'm looking yeah. forward to uh you know pulling out and seeing the rose garden i think those are amazing places and really tranquil for me so i'm looking forward to seeing that but yeah the park system is is interesting here yeah it's been uh, interesting to learn, I would say, and compare it to some of the places that we live or reside in. So, yeah, vast spaces. So, happy to be here, though. Happy to spend it with you. Yeah, thank you. Okay. Thanks for having me, y'all. Um, it also reminds me of, like, the Bay Area, their park system, East Bay Regional Parks. Huh. I don't know if y'all have been to, well, you've probably been to the Bay, but there's grand access to all kinds of hiking trails and I mean, that's how I grew up there um, in the 80s. It's just like always having access, always feeling safe, you know, seeing other people like me, all of that kind of stuff. So um, this park's cool, but I don't see a whole lot of folks like us. Yeah. You know, yeah. be real. Uh, but, you know, things are changing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was definitely one of the sentiments that we felt when we came in was like... <laughs> Yeah, aside from a setting of camera equipment, I'm like, oh, people are not like us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm looking forward to definitely uh, experiencing the vast diversity that I'm sure at some point or currently we just haven't interacted with are in this space. So yeah, I'm looking forward to that. So uh, nonetheless, us three are here and I'm, I'm happy to be here. And if no one else sees anyone like that, hopefully they see this video and they're like, oh, Certainly. You know, black people do enjoy yeah, this part. Here. So, yeah. yeah. We'll, yep. we'll start something. So, yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. 
So uh, we want to turn the floor over to you, Malik. I know just a formal introduction of whatever you want to express in this space. You know, uh, I know a little bit about you yeah. uh, in the spaces that we share, but uh, what are you interested in? What are you, uh, you know, partaking in that you'd love to share? And uh, kind of where's, where's home for you right now? So home's uh, 31 miles south of um, Seattle and a town called Spanaway. Um, and, you know, as I said, I have Bay Area roots. Um, so I go down there when I can. But, uh, yeah, I think what I'm into, I mean, obviously the outdoors, I was raised as, as a privilege. Like, my mom was always like, we weren't a Disneyland family. So we were outside camping family, yeah. uh, like roughing it, like cat hole. I learned how to dig a cat hole probably when I was like seven or something, like crazy. Can you give context to what a cat hole is? Uh, yeah, so know? like it is a hole that you dig when you need a toilet and there is no toilet around. <laughs> and, Sorry. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's like, all right, well, we're here. Sorry we're, to put that we're doing but, it. Hey, <laughs> real talk. We knew what it was, but I was like, all right, I guess, we're gonna teach I guess you. we won't <laughs> clarify. Yeah, I won't go into any more details. <laughs> it is what it is. Research yeah. it yourselves. But <laughs> we gave you a foundation. Um, <laughs> yeah, but uh, what am I into? Um, obviously, you know, being impactful and influential to folks. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe younger than myself who look like me um, to create and own their space uh, in a very intentional way. So that's like the work that I do behind the scenes with organization I work for out of Washington, Washington Trails Association, um, as well as, you know, doing work on WRMC and other safety committees. Mm -hmm. uh, so just me always speaking up for marginalized experience in this space uh, is a passion of mine, getting into those difficult conversations. Mm -hmm. um, I spent a long time as a bouncer, uh, um, sort of moonlighting as while I was doing work with the SCA uh, in Oakland. Um, and so I loved going out with high school kids and doing trail work, but then it didn't pay all the bills, so I would you know, bounce at night. And so it gave me quite a few skills in terms of uh, situational awareness and conflict resolution management, things like that. So I try to bring that to the fold, that unique way of uh, going towards the conflict because there's a process uh, and opportunity for resolve and growth and all of that. So um, I'm really into that. Uh, but in terms of like how I get my passions outside of the work, and how I get a lot of my angst and energy out, which is something I started at 16 and still do today, which is playing metal music. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't play in a band, but I have like a recording studio at home out of, move, out of moving blankets. I created a space in my garage, it's pretty dead. And um, so uh, I do all kinds of music. So that's really like my, my side passion. It's not really a hustle, just like something to like um, create vent and share with my community and my friends um what else of course you know all the outdoor stuff i got a dog now first dog ever oh wow. uh, he's a hound mix his name is bill he's a pandemic dog he was born in 2020 and he had, he was roaming the streets of seattle and we got him as a second rescue my friend couldn't handle him in the apartment so we got him and uh 
We just got him out of training, uh, like discipline training. So now I'm like, have to be a discipline trainer. Like it's a yeah. different, it is a different kind of leadership y'all yeah. having a, a dog. Um, and I never really realized that before. So that's another sort of uh, passion or interest of mine um, that I really love. So, yeah. yeah. Nice. You mentioned like some of the transferable skills, you know, from being a bouncer to like how that plays within your perhaps day-to-day -day work. Mm -hmm. um, were there like experiences even prior to, you know, being a bouncer that led to, because everyone in the space doesn't feel compelled to advocate or be, yeah. or, or be on the front line of justice work, um, so to speak, as, as broadly and as like lingo-y that justice and like applying that may be. Like, were there experiences that solidified, like, yes, I need to do this for you? Because oftentimes many of us get that calling, not all of us take it. Uh, so were there things or experiences that may have compelled you to be in that capacity and posture that you're in now? I think that it was definitely a, a, a choice by scarcity, needed work. Yeah. Um, but then I'm just good at it. Uh, the movie that you can watch in every bouncer will agree um, is Roadhouse with Patrick Swayze. And I was oftentimes <laughs> the cooler that yeah. he's called in that movie um, where I can come and be cool, calm, collective in a situation. And uh, I think that I gained that skill just growing up in, in the Bay Area and having to have, have your head on a swivel in some of the neighborhoods I grew up in. Richmond, California um, was one of them in the uh, late 80s and early 90s during the crack epidemic. Um, and just, yeah, so just already having a sense of situational awareness based on the um, conditions you're in within your neighborhood. Uh, you know, that definitely helped. But for me, in terms of that skill set now, it's really hard for me to get into a bar and not sit by, you know, watching the door or being able to turn that off. And even at work in this setting within conservation, I can't help but not acknowledge people's body language when I'm mm -hmm. communicating. It sometimes, um, allows me to have an advantage but i need to be kind of constantly aware of that when um i'm communicating because not all, pe all people pick up on that you know yeah. so uh yeah i think that kind of answers that question yeah. a little bit but yeah it's it's something i'm trying to turn off especially the pieces around i'll say it like complex ptsd and things like that you know so um, I was recently in my at my first rock co uh, metal concert. I went by myself Saturday, and um, I haven't done that in years because I've been in the scene, the loud noises, things like that. And all of a sudden, it was just the, we call it the walls were sweating. You know, it's just like the, the party's going off. There's like a mosh pit. And all of a sudden, I just felt myself feeling absolutely safe in the chaos mm -hmm. for the first time in a while. So Interesting. Y'all hear it first, um, yeah. you know, I'm sort of coming out and, and uh, getting more back into that scene and, and didn't realize how healing it was for me, you yeah. know, so, yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. And that perspective, I think, is, a, is definitely a through line for feeling safe in the chaos in terms of just being outside, mm -hmm. you know, like externally, especially in an urban environment, we live in such close proximity with people. And yeah. I think in the yeah. most basic sense, like, 
inherently the world wasn't built for that construct. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we facilitated that. And going outside in some of these environments kind of brings you back to our ancestral connection. Of it. Yeah. Uh, while the world is so chaotic, there's so much things going on. This is a safe space, a really impactful space for you to unload, relax, connect with people like we're doing right now yeah. uh, and share stories. So thank you for sharing that. And that, that's definitely something that I connect with. Uh, but also your calming nature. Like every time that I'm around you, I'm like, ah, it's Malik. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so you're, you're, you're disarming for me. You know, every yeah. time we've sat down and had a conversation, I, I feel the intentionality of you list, actively listening, which is important, uh, but also just giving, you know, solid guidance and feedback off of your experience. So thank you. I just wanted to express that in this space because I think that's really important. Appreciate so that, thank you for Marcus. that. Right on, right on. Uh, yeah. Um, we know that you're a musician, uh, but what do you what do you listen to? Kind of engaging with either audio, visual that you'd love to share. I think that's yeah. always we we feel like we are establishing an Oprah book club at this moment. Okay, like, yeah. if you if you got books, I guess there's a Centurion um, Yours Outdoors book club coming. Yeah. yeah. So uh, full disclosure, y'all, uh, I brought my little list. Uh, I've seen the show a couple times. Well, we homework. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm not really good. There's so many great talented, especially young folks right now, picking up the mantle of music and a lot of, yeah. there's not really, there's so many subgenres out there now. Yeah. There's not really like a new genre of music. And I, I, I hope it happens someday. Um, but in the meantime, what young folks are doing with what's out there is just incredible. So I have a, so movies, I just saw The Creator. Go okay. see it. It's epic. Okay. Uh, I'm a sci-fi nerd, so of course I'm reading Dune before all of it comes out <laughs> again. I think the fifth time around, the whole series. Um, yeah, I'm way into that concept of future sci-fi and ecological impact and politics. So Dune's a great one. Um, I just saw the concert I went to was Resistant Culture. Okay. Uh, amazing tribal grindcore band, if you will. Um, uh, Oceans of Slumber, these are some uh, black folks that are in the metal scene. Uh, beautiful voice, Oceans of Slumber. Peeling flesh. <laughs> Very heavy. Be careful. Uh, I can't say what's the content's about. I just like the music. Um, uh, and then Tsunami from Oakland. They're a hardcore band. But uh, mainly what I've been listening to a lot is funk music. Yeah. P-H-O-N-K. Have you heard of this? No. It's, um, it's uh, what do you call it? Drifter music for drift drifting. Like, it's the whole drift scene. Yeah. Okay. It's trap, drill, hard beats, dark music with underlying hip-hop lyrics that are very tucked back in the mix, if you will, huh. almost like somebody called on a phone and was just, you know, kind yeah, of, yeah. Um, so funk music, uh, horrifying is the main band I'm listening to right now. Uh, yeah. Uh, gets me by. I drove like two hours listening to funk music. So, okay. um, and you were not drifting. <laughs> Not in the element, not in the element with the Yakima on top. Nope. That wouldn't be very safe coming down to a risk management console. Conference. Um, Dripping right into risk management. Yeah. That would be hilarious. Um, no, I'm, I'm, I'm a, as you know, 
uh don't text me when i'm driving like you know all of that kind of stuff so i'm very by the by the book but um yeah there's another piece of your question that i felt like kind of sparked something in the work i do now shifting gears sort of more into the risk management piece um and you know the washington trails association we do like trail work Mm -hmm. specifically and when i got the job they didn't have a risk management person so I really like use this analogy, um, like driving and similar to your point about uh, when you're in the woods or in urban parks and you encounter the different kinds of risks of just interacting with people as well as limbs falling and all that kind of stuff. Um, when I first got it, I was like equating it to all the micro uh, movements and looks that you do when you're driving. Mm-hmm when you're leading a crew um, of volunteers or staff or what have you, it's similar to that, you know, it's just a little bit more slowed down, I think. It could get faster when you're running chainsaws and things like that, but, um, you know, and then, yeah, having like a lot of hood smarts, I know that's a kind of slogan or term that's being used, the hood smarts equating to wood smarts, but, but I always, that's how I, try to facilitate my mentorships and things of that nature with with my staff and other folks who might be reaching out for um sort of some advice around you know how we operate safe safely in in these environments especially um being marginalized but that's all changing Mm -hmm. very rapidly so it's also a way I think of, of um, there's a compassionate piece to ushering folks who um, need to get with the times. Mm-hmm. You know, 2040 is around the corner, and uh, everyone's gonna. It's it's just gonna be a multicultural place. So, mm-hmm. um, and for context too, I I know what 2040 means, but would you like to share oh, the importance of that? that year and what is on the horizon or expected to be on the horizon for 2040. Yeah. Th- thanks. Uh, I, I do that a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I assume everybody knows. Yeah, what, yeah. Uh, you know. um, yeah. So 2040, according to the data is when the year when America will look the most multicultural and won't be so homogenized in terms of white whiteness. So um, that's what I mean about that compassion piece about, you know, we need to guide people into this. Um, And I can be really raw and have some really rough conversations with people, especially when they're in the wrong. But um, every time that I lead with more of that other piece of like, okay, well, let's try to find um, commonalities and Mm -hmm. things like that. There are times you just gotta tell somebody, you know, what's up, but uh, you know, we've been sheriffed for so long that it's not very compassionate for us to, to do that. There's always another way, but um, yeah. And I find myself doing a lot of that work up in the Pacific Northwest. Um, the challenging part is like all the ideologies and experiences that I had growing in the Bay, it's already there. Mm. You know, there's multiculturalism that is there. So mm-hmm. um, coming up here, it was definitely a culture shock to like get the white gaze, for example, at the trailhead. What white gaze is when you are in an individual or with a group of 
BIPOC individuals or like yourself, and then you um, sort of get stared at and you, you loosely, oftentimes you'll get a comment like, are you with some sort of juvenile group or, you know, I mean, insert here, right? The people listening probably know or have experienced that, but that's the real common one. Mm-hmm. So, anyways, I'm sort of rambling now. So, <laughs> so I, I prodded that question out of you. Yeah. So yeah. You, you responded to that. So thank you. Yeah, yeah. And to kind of like draw back, 2040 being coined as majority minority. Yeah. So the the nation being largely the largest demographic being those mm-hmm. of racial minorities. Um, so uh, yeah. leaning into that, what are what recommendations as we're kind of like closing on time uh, or getting close, what recommendations do you have for the, largely the industry uh, as to, you've mentioned like risk management and mitigation surrounding that, but also more tangibly that can be applied. I mean, you kind of draw and brought a lot of that within the last conversation and, yeah. and question there, but what, what recommendations do you have for us collectively as consumers, stewards, participants, because admittedly everyone plays a role as to the way in which our future will be shaped. Uh, for not just 2040, but our lifetime uh, yeah. as well. Yeah. Well, and it's so, there's a lot to that. Uh, it's so interesting because, you know, PGM, people of the global ma- majority are the globe. Like, mm-hmm. so really that minority are in those westernized, colonized states. So it's not a new concept globally. Uh, but, I think one piece of advice, um, because oftentimes when you get and you start working with like white led organizations, they want some kind of concrete value or action item or Mm -hmm. something you can do. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, this is one way. And what I did when I hit WTA was um, we started collecting exclusion incident reports. Mm -hmm. So um, and oftentimes you'll encounter some buck bucking against that. white supremacy culture, especially. Um, and one of the main like points of like argument was like, what do we do with that data? Like, which is the right to comfort, right? Which is the right to being white folks being scared to, um, tell on somebody or change change or, uh, there's a lot of like sort of systems and scaffolding based on that. But I encountered that a lot. What do we do with this data? What do we do? And the question is, well, what have we done with like rolled ankle data? Mm-hmm. We analyze it, we train, yeah. right? And we become better. So it's the same concept, except that um, there's more story involved. Mm-hmm. So, and that's important to me. I wanna see the stories uh, and I think that there's a lot of organizations out there, especially government affiliated that don't have that process. And I'm not going to name them on this podcast, but we know who we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think that that's a big one uh, is getting on board with helping us tell these stories because it is indeed happening still. Um, and not just something that, you know, back in the fifties, NPS had segregation of parks. It's, it's still happening, it's just more um, systematically and more having to do with people's ideologies and fears and things like that. So if we can tell these stories more and keep them up front, 
whether we're a nonprofit or government agency or for-profit organization, um, it's important. So I think that's just one thing mm -hmm. uh, that I can leave the folks at home with, y'all with, yeah, um, for that for that end of it. It's a good, powerful tool. Yeah, thanks for sharing that, Malik. Yeah. Last question as we wrap up, what's your next adventure? You doing anything? I think we know some things once you get back, what you're gonna be up to, but uh, <laughs> well, do you have any personal or even just recreational ventures that you're looking forward to this year, next year, or even? Uh, yeah, so, you know, my dog, Bill, he wasn't, I couldn't get him out hiking a lot because he's so reactive to other dogs and people, but that's changed since the training. So getting way back more into hiking, owning my space wherever I'm at it with my dog, um, you know, and then uh, music projects always. Uh, you can, shameless plug, look me up, Malik Busby. Yeah. I got a reggae thing out there. I got some metal projects, more to come. Um, yeah, that's mainly it. Uh, harvesting apples, as I mentioned earlier. <laughs> I got a lot back at home I have to press. Um, and yeah, just feeling very blessed. Um, and trying to live my life that way, for sure. Know, more joy, whatever that brings. Uh, and also trying to get more social. I haven't been as much uh, since the pandemic. And so, yeah, just getting, getting out more and more, hanging out with friends and um, going to shows and things like that, so yeah. yeah. Definitely, and we can stay connected with you through Instagram? Yes. Uh, Malik Busby? Yes. That yeah. easy? That easy. <laughs> or Malik B, I think. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Malik, Malik B. B. Uh, LinkedIn. I don't do Facebook because there's a civil war going on there and I'm not having that right now. Or, um, but yeah. Hey, y'all. Uh, yeah, those are the two. Um, that's basically it. Yeah. Cool. cool. Well, we'll stay plugged in. So, no as always, great to see you, my brother. Thank you, gentlemen. Yeah. Appreciate, you. Appreciate it. Thanks for yeah. the time. And it's a wrap, guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I love that was great. You too, Malik.